Good morning, church. Community church, I love you. Thank you very much. Community church, I love you. I say that because, uh, you know, you might say, well, you don't know me. Uh, but uh, I was praying for you today. Praying for your life, for your marriage, for your family, for your uh, finances. Asking God to bless you and your decisions and your hopes and your ambitions. And when I say I love you, what I believe is the Spirit of God has put a love in my heart as a shepherd over your lives. In Mount Pleasant, in Alma, uh, hundreds of people online. Um, I just want to say that I love you. I want to thank you for being here today, uh, particularly for this final week of Elevate. This is not a typical series. In fact, the word I would use for the series is that it is a formative series. And by that, I mean what we're talking about is going to... Uh, bring about shape and direction for the next several years of the life of this local church in terms of how we together love Jesus and how we serve him in his community and how we actually roll up our sleeve and wash feet and love people and share the gospel and make disciples. Um, in week number one of this series, I asked, it was an unusual phrase, I said, I, would you make a commitment to making a commitment? And so many of you have done that and I want to thank you. What, what I meant by that was, would you really give all of this that we're talking about in terms of vision, like, would you give it space and time in your life? Would you think about it seriously? Would you give it consideration? And would you pray? Would you maybe have some conversations with your family, with your spouse, with your friends, with your community group, talk about it, pray about it, asking the question, God, how do you want me to be a part of this? How can I serve you with my life in this time? So that this sort of grandiose thoughts don't become just thoughts or ideas that they actually become things where we say, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in the thick of it together. I'm not sitting on the bench. I'm not being a spectator, but I'm, I'm in this, and I'm in this with other people. The kind of thing that you look back over your shoulder, maybe just a few years from now, and you would say, I am glad that I was a part of that. I've got no regrets over serving the Lord with other people and trying our very best to make an impact in this community, to make disciples and to uh, bring forward... Um, uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So uh, let's dive into this final week, the conclusion of this series. If I could, by way of maybe just a personal story, um, I have a small number of very, very significant no moments uh, between me and God when I was a child, like a kid, a little kid. Um, I have just a handful, maybe two or three occasions in my life where I look back and, and it's sort of, I don't think I will ever, ever forget those things, even when I am an old, old man. I will remember these things when I was a child. Um, very small. One was, when I came into this world, and I'm going to slightly embarrass myself here, when I came into the world, I came into this world with two fingers in my mouth. And I mean that quite literally. Like, I came out of my mother's womb with these two fingers here, in my mouth. And that was it. I was hooked. And I'm sure a thousand of you have seen a kid with a thumb in their mouth. Not me. Not a thumb. Two fingers in my mouth. And I would suck my fingers like this. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying this. And I would feel my hair and my eyes would get heavy. Or I like to feel my ear, or I'd feel my earlobe on this side. This one is good, this one is good. And then as a little baby, I would fall asleep. I would soothe myself by sucking my fingers. Am I a nice pastor to share these stories with you? 
But there was a problem. And I bet you can guess what the problem was. I didn't want to stop doing it, did I? Four years of age, five years of age, six, seven. And now your parents are going, Alan, I think you need to stop doing that. Yeah, sure. Good night. <laughs> I'd be sucking my fingers. I have a distinct memory of my big brother. We shared a bedroom all our childhood. Oftentimes we shared a bed. And uh, you know that point when you're almost asleep, but not quite, like on the edge of la-la land. And I can remember being fast asleep, and of course, these fingers are in my mouth, and I'm like just about gone. And my brother would come over, and he would take my fingers out of my mouth. And you're thinking, oh, what a nice brother. No. <laughs> then he would take my fingers full of spit and saliva and drag them across my face. <laughs> this is what big brothers do, right? <laughs> uh, that's a big brother's job. I remember my parents like, Alan, you've you got to cut it out. Seven years of age, eight years of age. It's a past habit in my life. I want to announce, I want to let you know, I have conquered this habit. Last year, I was very proud. <laughs> Had to come one day. No, I think I was about nine. And I'll tell you how serious it got for me, because I got really afraid. And you know what I was afraid of? I was afraid that I would go to school one day and I wouldn't realize what I was doing, because it was such a habit. And I was afraid I'd have a sleepy moment in school, I'd be like, you know, the teacher's up there, the Charlie Brown, wah, 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 and I'd be like, yeah, really? And I'd, I'd like, and then I'd be caught, and then you'd be, in, you'd be just ridiculed, right? You'd be in so much trouble. Um, how does this sound? How many of you have thought about something like this before in your life? I wanted to stop, but I didn't want to stop. Sound familiar? Fits into about a thousand things, doesn't it? And I, I want to stop doing that, but actually, <laughs> I don't want to stop at all. Not even a little bit. So I got really serious about it, so much so, and you may think this strange behavior, more confessions from your pastor, I was so bothered by this that I said to myself, if you suck your fingers one more time, I'm probably about nine years of age, I said, I'm going to go outside of my house, and where I lived in the city center of Dublin, there was a little school across the road that had these, iron, these tall iron railings. That's what I said to myself. I got issues. I said, if I do it again, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to smack my hand against the iron railings. The therapy is really helping. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And I did. I remember catching myself, sucking my fingers, and I walked outside, and it was raining, shocking, Ireland, it was raining, and I went outside, I remember this distinctly, and I went over, and I cracked my fingers against the iron rail. And I went back into the house. What was I doing? I was punishing myself to make myself stop, because I couldn't stop this old habit in my life. I had tried everything I could do. My parents were blue in the face until here comes my significant moment with God as a child. I did something that I had never done before, and I wasn't in the habit of praying. I wasn't a kid who prayed, said my prayers every night. I really wasn't, but I prayed. And do you know times when you pray and you really mean it? And do you know times when you're like, man, I'm the Charlie Brown teacher, blah, 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 blah. Do you ever pray and you're like, man, I am boring myself with my own prayers? I don't think I mean a word that I'm even saying myself. But then you know those times when you pray and you mean every single word. And all I can tell you as a little child, <clears throat> I prayed a prayer and I meant it from the depths of my heart. And my prayer was something like this, God, I can't stop doing this. 
would you please help me? And it probably took me a few days to realize that I had never, ever done that old habit again. And I went, oh my goodness. I believe God has answered a prayer in my life. Now, I know that might sound silly and trivial and comical and childish, but you've got to know, for me as a child, man, I stored that away in my heart because what I walked away with, I walked away and I said, I believe that God did a miracle for me. I couldn't believe it. Welcome to this final week, week number five of Elevate where we have been deliberately seeking God and casting vision into all of our hearts as to how can we serve you, God, best at this time and in this place. It is an exciting time, amen? It's an exciting time for our church to come together, to rally together. An invitation to every single person listening listening to me, would you encounter Jesus Christ in the context of your own generosity? To get off the bench, to get in the game, to refuse to sit on the sidelines, to enter into the thick of serving God together, and to invest your life into the good news of, the, of discipleship and the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is an invitation to 100% of every person listening to me, everyone particularly who call themselves follower of Jesus Christ, would you come and be a part of Elevate, promoting the gospel and making disciples. I tell you that story from my childhood for one singular reason, and that is the statement that I want to underscore this morning. God, would you elevate our future actions above our past habits? Would you elevate our future actions above the way it always was, or the way I've always been stuck, or the way I've always thought our past habits? I want to call you to a higher place where you are not controlled by things that you have always habitually done. The impact of God, if God is to be real at all, if he's to have any sense of um, touch or impact on our life at all, surely it is this, that with God there is the possibility that we can rewrite our stories. Amen? I mean, that's my testimony, and I'm sure it's so many of yours as well. Life is not always the way I used to think. Life is not always the way I used to treat people. Life is not always the way I used to act and function and behave. That with God, change is actually possible. That our futures are not cornered and our futures are not prescripted. Rather, with God, we are able to create a different future. God can elevate our future actions above our past habits. And I'll be, I'll be honest with you, it, it is an absolute pet peeve of mine. I've got about two or three of them in my life. I'm going to give you one of them right now. How many times have you heard this before in your life? Well, that's just the way I am. I can't stand it. That's just the way I am. I hear this one a lot. Oh, well, you know, my personality is, therefore, I do this. I'm like, change your personality. <laughs> Oh, well, my dad's always been like that, and my dad, so he flies off the handle, so I fly off the handle. Hey, ever try not to be like your dad? Like as though this isn't a possibility for my life. Well, I'm the kind of person who always, I'm a three on an Enneagram test, and therefore I have, no, you don't have to. I've always done it like that. I never go to places like that. I'm just like my mom. Well, I just don't like inconsiderate people. I could never stop. I've always been like that. 
And we say all of these things as though our past patterns or our past thinking or our past habits are unchangeable and must therefore forecast our future thinking and our future behavior. That our past habit defines the way we must be and that is simply all there is to it. Quite frankly, it's rubbish. Biblically speaking, it's rubbish. If we believe that, if we operate like that, then we simply diminish the power of God and we give ourselves excuses to never change, to never grow, to never be more caring, to never be more generous, to never transform. God is in the business of transformation. In fact, he's incredibly committed to your transformation. I stand in front of you, not just sucking my fingers, but in so many ways, I am a changed person. I'm a changed man, to which I give God the credit and the glory for that. That's the way it should be. I've been affected by God. And I want to tell you that your past habits do not have to define your future actions. You get to write a different story in Christ. And that is a good thing. Acts chapter 11, we bump into a man by the name of Peter. He is a disciple of Jesus Christ. He has a past habit that is awful. And I'll tell you what it is. He's a proud Jew to the extent, it's a hard thing to even say, I think he's fairly racist. I think he actually is. In fact, most of the disciples were like that. Two of them, get a load of this, politely suggested to Jesus that if they like, they would pray a prayer that God would rain down fire from heaven on a village full of Samaritan men, women, and children. What on earth is that? Thankfully, Jesus declined their kind invitation. No, let's not do that today. Acts chapter 11, that we're about to read in a few minutes. At this point, Jesus has died, risen from the dead. He has ascended into heaven. And this is Peter now, and it is the birth of the church. He's telling people about God's love. But there's one major problem for Peter. He is this proud Jewish man, and he will only serve and give the gospel to people who are like him. He's only willing to tell Jewish people. Now, he's seen Jesus do the opposite, but he's only willing to do that. For anyone else, I'm sorry, it's not for Gentiles. That's you and I, non-Jewish people. It's not for uncircumcised heathens. It's not for the Greeks. It's not for the Roman Empire. They're not worthy of forgiveness and grace. And Peter's thinking and operating with an old habit that has continued into his future. God's mission that he so loved the world, God's mission that he so loved you is so important that at this emerging point of the life of the new church, the birth of the church, he actually confronts this in Peter. Peter, I have a pivotal role for you to play in the birth of the church, and it cannot include racism and exclusivity. The only way to describe what happened to Peter is that he had an out-and-out -out encounter with Jesus Christ in the context of his racism. Peter is moved from this selfish old habit of only sharing the gospel with his own kind of people. He's been indoctrinated to believe that salvation <clears throat> is as a result of his heritage of, as children of Abraham. And it took an encounter with Jesus Christ to change the way that he followed God, to change the kind of disciple that he would be, that he would now become a generous man, and it changed his future actions. So here's what happened. God literally gives Peter a powerful vision and repeats it three times. And then God sends three men to Peter 
right after this vision. And they are told to bring Peter to a particular man's house who is a Gentile, a place where Peter probably wouldn't even knock on the door. The Spirit of God told the Gentile, the owner of the house, that Peter was going to come, that he was going to preach the good news to him, and that salvation was going to come to him and his entire household. And that's exactly what happens. The Holy Spirit descends on this man, this Gentile, and his whole household are saved. And Peter can't believe that this has happened, that God would use him to bring the gospel to someone who isn't a Jew like him, someone who's different, someone that Peter thought isn't worthy of grace, is not worthy of forgiveness. And yet this takes place. Peter is astonished. He goes back to the apostles. He says, guys, I think this changes everything. I think now the church means something so much bigger and wider and broader. And they realize in this moment that they can no longer hold on to this old habit of an exclusive Jewish audience for the gospel. And now the church is poised to preach the gospel to the nations. Look what God has done. Now my job is certainly to love you and to care for you. But another huge part of my job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. And when I say that phrase, it's from Ephesians chapter 4. It's to equip you for the work of the ministry. To equip you to live for Jesus in a world that seems to be disregarding Jesus more and more. To release apostles and prophets and teachers and pastors and evangelists and missionaries. Now when I say those words, I think so oftentimes our, our minds go to, oh, missionaries, Yeah, let's release some missionaries, and they can go to deepest, darkest, what country do we always think of? Africa, that's the thing in our mind, right? We'll send some missionaries to Africa, and praise God for that. But actually, could I bring this home a little bit more? By that, what I simply mean is, I want to equip you as a missionary for the work of ministry in your cubicle, and your classroom, and your kitchen, and your car, and your community, and in your marriage, and in your friendship, and with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, and in the context of your parenting, you are the portable church. That's what we are together. And I want you equipped for ministry. That the gifts of God that he has placed inside of you, that they would find expression, that they would be realized, and that they would actually impact lives. It is my job, and you are to join me in this, that this church never, ever, ever falls asleep. That this church never becomes just comfortable in what we've got already, and we've got a little gang meeting here already on a Sunday morning. And the day that we do that is the day that this church becomes stale or perhaps even irrelevant, lethargic and out of touch with real people and real lives. I am here to remind you of the lonely person and the broken person and the atheist that we can never ever forget about those who are not here yet, that we must bend over backwards, always inviting those who are on the outside that we would say, come and be a part of the inside. Welcome to the family of God. Look at this passage in Romans 12. Find yourself in this. It's not an exhaustive lift, but there's tons of stuff here. He says we have different gifts, right? And I want you equipped to express these gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophecy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do that cheerfully. If there is pretty much any way 
that God has gifted you to serve this world, let me tell you what the Word of God is very simply saying in this passage in Romans chapter 12. Go for it. Just do it. Get on with it. Roll up your sleeves and do those things that God has called you to do in your life. I want to give you a reminder of the giving ladder. We looked at this, I think, in week two of this series. This is an initial giver. This is somebody, probably for the first time in their life, that is doing this with finances and gifts. And they're listening to God. And whereas all their life, their past habit has been, mine, 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 for me, for me, I'm not doing that for anyone else. They hear the Holy Spirit saying, no, I'm calling you to serve, I'm calling you to generosity, I'm calling you to give. I love this step. For the first time in a person's life, they say, yes, Lord. I will be obedient to do. And I celebrate anyone at that stage in their generosity. I think that is an incredible and wonderful thing. Occasional givers. These are people who are simply feeling the tug to be generous in their life. There's probably not much of a plan here, but just occasionally in their life, they're like, I would like to be generous. I want to give. I want to help other people. An intentional giver is right in the middle of the ladder here. This is someone who's saying, actually, I'd like to put a plan to my generosity. This is someone who's saying, I, I'm going to give on a weekly basis or a monthly basis. Or individuals saying, I'm actually going to tithe. I'm going to take 10% of my income and I want to give that to the Lord. Is this what the Lord is saying to you? And we have a surrendered giver. This is where someone is uh, obeying the Holy Spirit in their life. And asking God, what do you want me to do with the stuff that you have provided in my life? For some, this means not only am I tithing, I'd like to go above and beyond that. I'd like to do more than that in my life. I want to be even more generous than that. And then there's a lifetime giver at the, at the top of the ladder here. They are simply asking the question, God, what would you have me to keep from what you have provided? God, you've given me all of this. In order for me to live my life, I think I only need this. Lord, the rest is to bless other people who don't have. The rest is to promote the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and to make disciples. It's just simply an illustration, and what it does is it shows you probably very, very quickly where you're at on the ladder. Right now, you can probably tell, yep, I'm one of these steps. So the question for you today is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to you in your life? Where would he point out to you and say, this is where you're at, and then what will the Holy Spirit say to you and say, in terms of, Here's the next step for you to take. Here's two steps for you to take. And would you listen to him in all of that? Romans chapter 12 that we just read says, if there's a way that God has given you a gift to help or to serve or to care or to love or to listen, then just go ahead and do it. Go for it. These past five weeks, I hope that you have heard a compelling vision for how we can reach into the lives of people and impact communities around central Michigan. I hope that you are pumped I really do. I hope that you are excited and pumped and proud of a local church that is trying to bend over backwards to love people and to share the gospel and to make disciples. But I would challenge you not to be a spectator in that. Don't allow anything from your past. Old attitudes, bad church experiences. I don't really know. That's not the way I've done it. I've never been like that. Yesterday's thinking, last year's habits, to inhibit you from living for God today. Right now, this week, this month, this year, don't allow making a difference just to become an idea that you agree with. We really ought to do nice things. 
We really ought to have an impact as a church. I agree. Now, I think you can go further than that. I think we as a community can go further than that. If you've got leadership skills, go for it. And if you've got administrative skills, lean into those. If you love to care and listen to people, go for it. Do it. Don't be a stranger to those gifts in your life. If you're a generous person, go for it. You see, if Peter had his way, he would have confined the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who looked like him and thought like him and behaved like him. But God intervenes and there's this domino effect that dispelled Peter's old habits. This is what I pray Elevate does. Acts chapter 11. Those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far <laughs> I practice preaching. <laughs> I practice pronouncing this word three times, and now I can't remember how I pronounced it. Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. You see that? Spreading the word only among Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch, and they began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them. And a great number of people believed and turned to God. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. And when he arrived and he saw what the grace of God had done. What do they mean by that? What the grace of God had done in people who were not exclusively Jewish. He was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. And then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Aimless disciples, aimless wandering disciples will always revert into old habits. They will always revert into old patterns, which is devoid of generosity, Always going back, and this is what we always do. You know, you know this. We always go back to our old nature, our old way of thinking, our old will, our old selfishness. And that causes us not to look to Jesus, not to elevate our hearts above ourselves, not to elevate our minds towards things above, not to elevate our priorities above success and stuff, and today, not to elevate our future actions above our past habits. You look at this passage of scripture and think, well, this is a passage of scripture about Peter. There's one guy, and for sure, he needed a bit of a course correction. No. When we get to the end of the story, look at how it impacts thousands and tens of thousands of other people. You see, this change in Peter wasn't just about one person. It wasn't just about Peter. We get to the end of the story. And we, say, we see change and transformation taking place because of a gospel generosity that Peter didn't want to be a part of. Peter was being exclusive. He didn't want to go beyond Judaism. He didn't want to give it away to people that he thought were undeserving. But God had other plans. Praise God. So, let's wrap up the series. How can you be a part of Elevate? How can you be involved? Certainly, there is a financial piece to this, and I'll talk about that in just a minute. Right now, could I ask, we have commitment cards. Could we hand these out in the rows? And if you could just pass them along in Alma and in Mount Pleasant. And online, your host is going to put a link up for you in just a moment. But I want to ask and answer the question, 
How can we be involved? And it's not only generosity. Praise God for that, but it's not only that. I want to share with you several ways in which we can pour out our lives. Number one is your family. Parents and grandparents. Guardians, can I ask you, would you talk to your children about this? Maybe you have little ones, elementary school. Maybe you've got kiddos in middle school or high school. I want to ask you to bring this conversation into your family. I want you to talk to your children and say, hey, we did this thing at church today. Let me tell you what mom and dad are doing. Let me tell you what God has been speaking to us. How could we be involved in this together? And bring your family into generosity. Secondly, I would encourage you to pray. In fact, would you pray like crazy? Church, we know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. Amen? We know that our battle is not against flesh and blood. It is against rulers and authorities of this dark and present age. Would you pray for this church? In two weeks' time, we launch Elevate. It will be the beginning, two weeks from now. Would you pray for the leadership of this church? Would you pray for the elders in this church, for the staff in this church? Would you pray for community groups? Would you pray for all of the initiatives that are in this? Pray like crazy. Pray for protection and success and favor with the gospel and disciple making. Thirdly, groups, if you are a stranger and you are unknown in this church, I would encourage you, head out to info and get into a group that you would be known and that other people could know you and share this journey over the next two plus years together in the context of community. Fourthly, get on an Elevate team. As Elevate rolls out, we're going to need people to serve on teams. Who has a heart for adoption and fostering? Who has a heart for that? Who would say, man, sign me up. I want to be a part of that 3 a.m. phone call where we're going to be there for a family who are taking an infant or a toddler or, or two siblings or two teenagers. We're going to need teams as construction takes place in the building in Alma and even in Mount Pleasant to bring in coffee and food to construction teams as we are Jesus to individuals coming into this place uh, to, to rebuild the facilities. We're going to need boots on the ground for Celebrate Recovery. We're going to need teams to serve in local schools. We need individuals to act as missionaries into Clinton County as we launch a brand new campus in less than 50 days from now. Oh my goodness. Stored resources, and I'll talk about this again in just a moment. You may have something that is sitting, that is collecting dust in your life. Bring it before the Lord. God, what do you want me to do with this thing? We have individuals in our church that say, hey, I've got some stock. Here's some stock. I've got a boat. I haven't taken it out in the last five years. I've got two boats. I don't need two boats. We've got kids. We've got, like, I've got two Xboxes. Have a, have a conversation with your, with your children. Say, why don't you sell one of your Xboxes? Bring them into the mission and the life of the local church. And serve in the community, lastly. Serve with partners that we're already working with in these local communities. Life choices, pregnancy services, the food pantry, care store. Sign me up. How can I come? How can I help? And actually, lastly, is give generously. This last verse in our text in Acts chapter 11 is the ripple effect of Peter shedding old habits. This is what it says. The disciples, as each one was able, decided to provide help for the brothers and sisters living in Judea. That is a good thing. They did this 
sending their gifts to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. Let's do that. Church, I call you right now into a high and holy moment. Uh, We're going to worship Jesus over the next few minutes. But I want you to do one thing right now. Would you take the next two minutes and just pray? Just pray. Maybe by yourself. If you're with your family, maybe huddle up. Maybe you're with your husband or your wife. Just put an arm around each other and pray together. And it's something like this. Dear Lord, what is our best commitment to give? What would you call us to? God, what is our best commitment to give at this time in your presence? How would you have us participate in Elevate? So would you remain seated for the next minute or two and just pray?